estamos en uno de los podcasts más especiales y más deseados y más esperados por nosotros. Hoy tenemos a una persona maravillosa. Hoy tenemos a Mr. Igor Amadeus Cavalera. Hoy aquí en La Dosis. Así es que primero que todo, mi amigo, bienvenido. Igor Cavalera, Igor Amadeus Cavalera here on La Dosis. Oh my God, this is amazing. Igor, thank you so much for joining us today on La Dosis. Uh, we are super excited to have you and, and thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, you're very welcome. And yeah, thank you for having me as well, man. I'm excited to talk about this album. Amazing, Perfect, amazing. amazing. Okay, first of all, we have uh, your single tumors on our website, ladosisradio.com. So I want you to know that you, you are, have your video on our website, okay? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate the support. We've been plugging okay. tumors. We have the video out there. We saw that you have a new single from last week. Wow. Uh, so we're going to start playing that one too, brother. Oh, thanks so much, man. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Really proud of how those singles came out. Really, uh, really stoked to unleash that on the world. Ok, vamos a empezar con las primeras preguntas. Eh, primero queremos saber cómo te fue en el último concierto que tuvo tu banda Go Ahead and Die. ¿Cómo estuvo ese concierto? So first we wanted to ask, what was your most recent show that you performed live with Go Ahead and Die, and how did it go? Uh, funny enough, we've only ever played one show so far. Um, oh, wow. Where, where was yeah. it? It was in Phoenix, uh, in my hometown. It was for, uh, we do this D-Lo Memorial Festival most years. And um, yeah, that was our first and only show we've done. That was back in 2021. Um, and it went really awesome, honestly. Like these songs are super aggressive live. Yeah. And they, you know what I mean? The the speed and and rawness of it all, I think is much more appreciated seeing it on stage, um, you know, in a dark venue. So it was awesome. Um, but there should be more shows coming up soon. We just announced some. Very cool. Are there going to be uh, North America shows or just U.S.? Or what do you guys have planned coming up? Uh, we're just starting in the U.S., It's a like 10 week tour, honestly, one of the longest tours I've ever done. Wow. Um, but yeah, it hits, it hits pretty much all the States. Uh, you know what I mean? It's kind of a first good, good first tour for us. And, uh, you know, we're just excited to get out there and do this thing. Cause yeah, we started during the pandemic. That was why we haven't really played any shows. Um, you know, and then scheduling stuff with my dad is really difficult. He's in four bands. I'm in three or four bands. <laughs> Uh, I forget how many I'm in sometimes, yeah. but, uh, you know, we finally managed to buckle down and find the right time to do this. And, you know, with the new album just coming out, it's uh, it's a perfect time. You know, we have a good set list coming up and it's just we're stoked, you know, but so far we've only done one. But in my opinion, it went really well. Muy awesome. bien, muy bien, awesome. que bien, que bien, que bien. Ahora viene una de las preguntas que a mí más me, me gustó plantear que es, obviamente muchísimas personas te preguntan qué se siente ser el hijo de Max Cavalera, y eso es entendible, pero la pregunta que yo quiero hacerte es, ¿qué tan increíble puede ser tener el apoyo de tu mamá, pero que tu mamá sea Gloria Cavalera y que sea la manager que te va a llevar de la mano a este sueño tan increíble? Creo que es como un sueño hecho realidad, porque realmente 
el que tu mamá te apoye, pero que sea tu manager, eso tiene que ser algo increíble. Entonces, quiero que me cuentes un poquito qué sientes tú. All right, so we're sure that you get asked all of the time what it's like to grow up with an icon like your dad, Max, right? What we wanted to ask was something kind of different and not no disrespect towards your dad whatsoever because we know that he's Mount Rushmore, right? But what is what has it been like to have your mom, Gloria, support you throughout this entire process as well and act as your manager and to help like push your dreams forward? That's got to be amazing. Amazing. Yeah, no, it really is. I, I really can't say enough good things about my mom. Uh, You know, she's been working in music longer than my father, actually. Um, she started doing local shows here in Phoenix back in the early 80s, you know what I mean? And she ended up managing bands like Sacred Reich and uh, helping Flossum and Jetsum get their deal. Mm -hmm. and, wow. You know what I mean? She was very yeah. influential in some of the uh, thrash and punk bands from Phoenix back in that time. And... Uh, You know, the way she works is just incredible. You know, she, she really never stops and she loves what she does so much, you know, that you can tell she puts so much pride into it and, and so much effort and so much time and and everything. And, and you know, it's been great, you know, and, and she's she's the general. You know what I mean? My, my dad is, uh, you know, he's the artist. What I have to do? What I have to do today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, my dad's the creative side of the family and, and she's the one who kind of keeps the train rolling realistically. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, she's she's worked with us really well. You know, her relationship with Nuclear Blast is really good. And, and Nuclear Blast actually, you know, took really good care of us for the record. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's just it's been a pleasure and I've learned so much from her. You know, not enough. Like I said, not enough good things I could say. Muy bien. That's muy awesome. Bien. Eh, importante, por favor, necesitamos que le digas a tu mamá que aquí desde Costa Rica le admiramos y le apreciamos muchísimo. Por eso queríamos hacer esta pregunta. Very important that we have a huge admiration for your mom and we're aware of like how influential she's been um, in so many facets of the metal scene and she's gone just kind of like under the radar for the most part. Like she's not getting that that due that she deserves. So we just wanted to say, you know, props to her. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes um, when you're a manager, uh, you know, you can get a bad rap because you got to be the tough guy sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she really is the one who keeps the keeps it, you know, the circus moving. And, you know, yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, even being a woman in the metal scene is, mm -hmm. is very difficult. And, you know, she had to stand toe to toe in a very masculine work environment. And, um, you know, she knows how to put her foot down. And I respect <laughs> her for that. And I really admire her for that, um, that she's not afraid to go into a world that can be a bit misogynistic and um you know put down women a little bit which you know mm, yep. i don't think is cool and she was always an example of that mm, um yeah. you know there's a lot of strong women in the metal community and you know she she helped spearhead some of that you know so definitely mm -hmm. mad props to her excellent <laughs> Ok, vamos con una de las siguientes preguntas que son muy, muy importantes. Cuando, lo que queremos que te acuerdes es, cuando eras un niño, ¿cuál fue esa primera canción que tú dijiste? 
wow, yo también quiero hacer lo mismo que hace mi papá. No necesariamente tiene que ser algo que hayas escuchado de tu papá, pero ¿cuál es esa canción que tú dijiste despertó esa, es, esa pasión por la música? So, I mean, you grew up with music all around you all of the time, right? But there had to have been perhaps one particular song or one particular musical moment that lit that fire where you're like, oh, man, I really want to do this. Do you remember like when that moment was or if there was a particular song? It didn't even have to be something that, you know, whatever that song was where you were like, oh, shit, this is what I want to do for real. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it, it's hard to pinpoint something exactly you know i mean maybe my memory's a little foggy or this or that but um you know at least for me and and playing you know holding a guitar and wanting to figure it out uh was ramones we want the airwaves that opening riff the the slide the opening that riff i i tried to figure out for like two weeks and when i finally played it right I, I felt so, I don't know, I felt so accomplished, so proud of myself that I, that I figured it out. You know, I figured out where to put my hands and mm -hmm. pick it correctly. And I mean, the, the Ramones were a huge band for me as a, as a young kid. Um, you know, it, it took a little while to get into Carcass and Cannibal Corpse, but at the beginning it was, you know, Ramones and Sabbath and, bands like that uh, so yeah when i when i figured out that first that was one of the first riffs i learned by ear you know maybe maybe after i learned the sabbath riff i learned ramones and that was that was huge for me you know what i mean and i knew i wanted to come up with my own riffs right then Muy bien. pretty much yeah. haven't looked back <laughs> excelente, excelente, awesome. excelente. bueno la pregunta que sigue es muy similar con esto, ¿cuál fue el primer instrumento que tocaste? ¿Fue realmente cantar? ¿Fue realmente tocar guitarra? ¿Fue sentarte en la batería? ¿Cuál fue el primer instrumento que tú practicaste? Do you remember what the first instrument was that you said that you tried to do? Was it drums? Was it guitar? Even if you were three, four years old, do you, like, do you remember? Or was it singing? What was the first thing that you were like kind of drawn to? The first thing that I remember is guitar. Um, okay. I, I wanted to... I wanted to play that pretty much from the beginning. Um, but, you know, that once again, that's kind of hard to tell because it, you know, so much music around us when we were so young, um, you know what I mean? It can get a little, we were probably always messing around on something, mm -hmm. you know, but the, the first one that really stuck with me uh, was guitar, you know? Okay. And then I and then I opened myself up to other things. I played drums for a while. Um, I currently play bass in a band um, with Cavalera Conspiracy right now. And, you know, I, I'm very open to playing different things, but I, I do think guitar was the one that kind of resonated early on. And, you know, my brother was a drummer at a pretty young age. So I think we kind of decided on that dynamic early on. <laughs> You know, um, kind of like my my pops and my uncle. But uh, yeah, you know, gu guitar has always kind of been my favorite instrument. Perfecto, perfecto. Muy bien, Very muy cool. bien. Ahora vamos a volvernos en el tiempo. Vamos a volvernos por ahí al 2007. Vamos a ver si te acuerdas, porque tuvo que haber sido uno de los mejores momentos de tu vida. Cuéntanos qué sentiste cuando estuviste en Levata Clan en París en el 2007 
cuando fue ese primer show que tu padre te presentó al público y lo acompañaste con él en tarima? So the first time from what we researched that you were ever on stage was with uh, your father at Le, Le Bataclan in Paris in 2007. And so if you could tell us what that was like, like what kind of experience that was for you? Yeah, that's that you guys did do your research because that's completely correct. Um, that was a completely random thing, actually. Uh, like I said, you know, when I was when I was a preteen, you know, 11 or 12, I was playing a lot of different instruments and messing around with a lot of different things. And I would sometimes go in after sound check and mess around on the instruments when no one was really paying attention. Uh, and I think that day, you know, my, my folks would bring me on tour during summer break from school. Uh, so yeah, we were, you know, we were in Paris, we were at the Bataclan, beautiful venue. And I was sound checking and I was playing the opening beat to Troops of Doom. And oh. I, I think, no I think my uncle heard me or someone heard me playing and they were like, man, you can play that whole song. That's pretty cool. Do you want to do it tonight? And I was like kind of shocked, you know, I'd never <laughs> been on stage. I'd never, um, you know, I'd been around a lot of music, but I'd never performed it. And, uh, you know, I was terrified, but I said, yeah, let's, let's do it. And it was on my uncle's drum kit. He has these huge toms. Huge. They, they were bigger than me. Um, <laughs> I had to stand up to hit them, uh, actually at a couple of different parts. And it, it was, it was wild. You know what I mean? It, it unlocked something for me that I'd never felt the a type of adrenaline, a type of, um, I don't know, wild freedom kind of feeling, you mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it was, yeah, that was another thing that kind of sparked it for me, you know? And, and, uh, you know, the Bataclan, that's a historic club. Historic. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah even before everything. And then, you know, that, I mean, there was a, there was a mass shooting there more recently. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that club has a very crazy history and yeah, the, I mean, the fact that that was one of the first places I was on stage, it's always been a weird uh, kind of nostalgia for me, that place. Buenísimo, buenísimo. Get you, get you. Ok, ahora otra pregunta porque nos interesa muchísimo también eh, eh, el pasado, que es el que hace el presente. Ah, que vimos por ahí que como en el 2011, tu primer grupo fue Mold Breaker, ¿es así? So, it, uh, it looks like your first band was Mold Breaker in 2011. How was that experience? And if you could tell us how Lodi Kong came about after. Yeah, I mean, Mold Breaker was your very typical... Um, you know, we're, we're teenagers and we're angry and we're not good at our <laughs> instruments. Um, you know, and, and it, when you're young, it's hard. I, I have a, I had a band that calls me Neria when I was a teenager. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, no, Nelson, Nelson had a band called Veneria. Okay. Right. I was like five yeah. dudes. Oh my God. Right? <laughs> But You know, it was, yeah, it was your, it was your typical, we were just dumb and, you know, getting into smoking weed and doing things like that and being rambunctious. And, you know, we, we would play shows and 
you know, a lot of our friends from like high school would come out and most of them didn't even really know about metal, uh, <laughs> but they would come out for our shows and go crazy. And, um, you know, it was, it, it was just silly. Honestly, we only, we only played five or six shows, uh, recorded like three song, three or four songs, I think. Um, you know, but it was like, you know, you're young, you're getting in trouble. People go different ways. They get into different groups and that, that band kind of just dissolved after a while. And Lodi Kong basically started as three members of that band. It was me, oh, my dude. brother and the bass player in Moldbreaker, who was the first bass player in Lodi Kong. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, Lodi Kong was very similar. We were just young and <laughs> kind of stupid. <laughs> And try honestly trying to annoy people and just be noisy and loud and um you know hopefully get a hopefully get a rise out of somebody in the crowd. <laughs> okay. Muy bien, muy bien, muy bien. Okay, ahora vamos con otra pregunta ya acercándonos un poco más al presente. Obviamente al 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 estar tan cerca de de tu padre, ¿qué fue? ¿Qué sentiste en el momento que te dijeron que podías ser el bajista de Soulfly por ahí en el 2015? So clearly, like, even if you're, you know, tied into the family, you still have to have the skills for you to be invited to be yeah. the bass player for Soulfly in 2015. Soulfly. How did that feel when you were like, oh, you ready? You want to do this? Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've practiced so much because I consider this my craft and, and mm -hmm. this is what I go for. And I mean, I, I definitely I don't even think I'm the most amazing player. Um, but I, I'm definitely capable of learning songs and, and being able to roll notes and make them sound good. Um, you know, and I've always been more of a riff player than a, than a soloist, you know, uh, the solo was never really what intrigued me into playing. It was more about figuring out rhythms and cool chords and just stuff like that. But anyways, um, Yeah, you know, that was I was young then. I was 19 or 20, I think, when I did that. Wow. And it it was a lot of fun, you know, and it it progressed me as a musician. Mm -hmm. And it did it took a lot of practice to learn some of those songs. I mean, we even did a couple supple ones like Arise and a part of Dead Embryonic Cells and stuff like that. And those are those are tough songs, you know. Same. Um so it, you know, it definitely improved me as a bass player. Uh, but at that, you know, at that age, I, I think it was a little too much, too much free time and power having a roadie. Um, you know what I mean? I think, I think I was having a little too much fun. If you get what I'm picking up. Natural um, though, that's like your <laughs> age, you know, like you know? what are you going to do? Like so, uh, I, you know, I actually, they, they asked me to be the full-time player and I was like, I, you know, I was like, no, I actually, I think I should just work on my own things. Um, as much as I loved it and as awesome as it was and everything, uh, you know, there was a lot of freedom and, you know, it, it was big shows and I just, I don't think I was ready to take that much responsibility in a band. Uh, I was definitely more concerned with partying and being a, honestly a shithead during that time. 19, um, but, you know, do, maturity, maturity takes a little while, you know what I mean? And, and claro, claro. It, it was, it was still awesome to do. And, you know, they ended up going with Mike Leone and he was a great dude and, um, you know, fit in really well. And, and I was happy that they, you know, found somebody 
uh, you know, because I was just like, this is a little, it was a little much for me at that mm -hmm. time. But I loved it, you know, playing, playing some of those shows was crazy. And some of them were huge uh, European festivals. And it, you know, it opened my eyes to a bigger style of playing. You know, I was, I was definitely more used to just playing small clubs and, and venues and things like that. And yeah, doing those festivals opened me up to the idea that, yeah, this music can be played for a lot of people and it can, uh, you know what I mean? It can go somewhere, basically. Claro, claro, claro. Very cool. Eh, por ahí también estuvimos leyendo, ¿verdad? Entre tantas cosas que, como dices tú, que tienes muchos grupos, eh, ¿hay algún plan de que continúe el proyecto de Healing Magic? So, with all of your different projects and everything, do you have any plans to continue Healing Magic? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, ah, muy bien, you know, muy bien. Healing Magic is, is, you know, it's just two of us. It's me and Johnny. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of our baby, we call it, you know, and... Uh, you know, we put out one album last year and that's actually the first installment of kind of a saga, I guess you could call it. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a four album concept that will kind of tie together. Uh, each album is basically a different element, goes into this kind of fictional story uh, through the lyrics. I won't, I won't dive too deep on it. It's pretty nerdy stuff. But, uh, you know, yeah, that's that's actually one of my favorite projects to work on because uh, it's it's one of the most experimental things I do. And it's um, I don't know, you know, working just one on one with a drummer, you know, just just riffs and drums is such a cool thing because we can get so tight with each other mm -hmm. without having to rely on two other people to fill it out. You know, we have a huge, huge guitar sound and huge drum sound and. It's a really fun thing, but yeah, you know, coming up with some of that sludgy, slow, doomy, psychedelic stuff is is one of the funnest things to do, in my opinion. Muy bien, Very muy cool. bien. Excellent. Excellent. Ok, ahora vamos a hablar del, del nuevo proyecto, el nuevo bebé, como uh, estábamos ahí hablando. De, vamos a hablar un poco de Go Ahead and Die. ¿Cómo fue que se formó y cuáles son los planes? Y antes de que Lu haga la traducción, también quiero felicitarte porque los riffs del disco son brutales. Gente, si ustedes no han escuchado Go Ahead and Die, tienen que escucharlo. Tiene unos riffs brutales con toda la firma cabalera. So Nelson is a super, super fan. I love Go Ahead and Die, but Nelson's been like, oh my God, this band is amazing, riff-driven, super badass thrash. Um, tell us about how Go Ahead and Die formed and what kind of plans you have for the band. Yeah, like I said, it was a, it was a pandemic band. It, it, we actually started working on the music um, mid-lockdown, I guess you could say, you know, when when the... When the world shut down for a little bit, little while, a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, in reality, it was something we talked about for a couple of years before that. Uh, you know, my my dad had kind of wanted to revisit the like earlier sounds, you know what I mean? The the kind of crust influenced thrashy death kind of first wave 80s kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Um, and I'm really into that too. That was something. That was an interest we shared, uh, you know, when I was a teenager getting into heavier music. Uh, so, you know, yeah, it was something we talked about for a while, but just never got to execute, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And the pandemic actually gave us the opening 
to do it with no touring and no shows and um you know basically our whole industry shutting down for a little while um that that was when we came up with it and we were you know we were isolated and uh you know it was an election year we were all pretty angry about something or other and getting on each other's nerves from being in the house too much and uh you know just there there it was an emotional year for everybody i think and uh you know we just kind of poured that into this record wrote and recorded it in a matter of six or seven months you know mm-hmm. and uh it, you know it was fun and then you know yeah it you know world opened back up things kind of went back to normal um you know we decided to do a second record and that was when we started writing uh unhealthy mechanisms which is the new record that actually just came out um you know it's it's just it's been fun you know it was it was a project at first but i think it's turned into a a full band and that was cool because it happened naturally it was a very you know there was a flow to things It, it was like let's put this record out see how people like it you know it got a good response so we were like okay let's do a second one and um, you know, second one's out now and that got a great response as well. So, you know, the, the whole evolution of the band has been has been really smooth and, uh, you know, people seem interested in it. And, you know, I think for my dad, it's really cool that he's going back to kind of his early days a little bit with it. You know, it's it's definitely closer to morbid visions or schizophrenia than it is anything else that he's done before. Um you know, so it's it's kind of a bridge between the generations, you know, the the younger mm-hmm. kids like me who are into death metal and into stuff like that. And the older generation that kind of founded it, you know, it's it's kind of cool that we're bringing that gap together. And, you know, the, the band has just been really fun and, and really, uh, you know, positive the whole way through, you know, so we're claro, really claro, excited claro. to keep doing stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Bueno. Estaba abriendo el Spotify porque ayer que estaba reunido con el Primo Lu pasamos toda la noche escuchando Go Ahead and Die. Y creo que el siguiente, <laughs> creo que el siguiente sencillo es Dragon Cop, ¿verdad? So, yeah, we were un poquito de eso. Yeah, we were listening uh, all uh, going through all the Go Ahead and Die stuff last night again and we came uh we, we were listening to the new single and that's exactly what Nelson and I were saying was like, "Wow, this sounds like old school early Sepultura but different because there's a there's this modern vibe to it, exactly. but it's really really just it's really great." Uh how did that song come about and how did Tumors come about? Yeah, those those were uh those were both fun songs to make and they're actually very different songs, you know. Tumors is more of a like groovy death metal song uh and drugo cops more of a punk song honestly uh and you know none of these songs really had total intentions you know it's kind of like we'd come up with a cool riff and then we just start building upon that um you know there wasn't necessarily a plan like oh this will be db oh this will be death metal this and that um you know and, the, and those songs are the, they're singles for a reason they're really catchy and uh you know even me as a listener it gets stuck in my head and it, it you know it's it's weird to have like a death metal sounding song stuck in your head but there's a lot of hooks in it and a lot of a lot of catchy stuff honestly uh and drogo cop is kind of the same you know and and they're they're fun songs you know they they, mm-hmm. they have they have a lot of crazy riffs and weird switches and Muy buenos riffs. They're, they're fun to yeah. play you know and 
Uh, that's kind of the vibe with this band. You know, it's a, it's crossover. Uh, you know, one song could be totally D-beat, crusty, like punk type of stuff. The next one can be all blast beats and, you know, tremolo picking and fast riffs and stuff like that, you know. And that's just kind of the, the dynamic we wanted to mix. And mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Give it a modern, uh, you know, a little bit of a modern production without going overboard, still keeping mm -hmm. it raw, still keeping it uncut and, you know, uh, live sounding. And that's really important to us. You know, we want it to we wanted to come across as four people playing some brutal, loud music. And I think that's exactly what it sounds like. Ya casi vamos con las últimas preguntas y una de ellas es, entre tanta música que uno escucha y disfruta y más tú, que, es, que es desde la cuna estás con tanto música alrededor, ¿hay alguna canción en específico que tú hayas dicho, esa canción me hubiera encantado haberla escrito yo porque es impresionante? Igor, when you think of all of the music that you've ever heard, which has been since you were in the crib, right? Regardless of genre, is there one track that like you say to yourself, One in particular, like, oh, man, I wish I wrote that song. Yeah, I mean, basically the whole first two Celtic Frost records. Uh, oh, <laughs> you know, I mean, those are I think those are riffs that inspired every type of metal mm -hmm. when people heard them. Um, and even for me, I, I heard them probably 25 years after they came out. And uh, well, maybe not that long, probably about 15 years after it came out. But. Uh, you know, they just stuck with me immediately. And, uh, you know, I to, like the Crypto Rays rib, like that, that alone. Every band on the planet ripped that off and, and <laughs> came up with it. And it's the simplest riff ever. And that's what I love about it. It's so effective. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically any any Tom G. Warrior riff. Muy bien, muy bien. Y ahora sigamos con, con la última pregunta que dice, eh, sabemos que eres muy fan de Stephen King, ¿cuál es tu libro favorito? So we also heard that you're a huge Stephen King fan. What's your favorite Stephen King book? It's tough, you know what I mean? It's like asking your favorite, favorite sí. album of a favorite band. Um, but, I mean, I gotta say probably Pet, Pet Cemetery. Okay. I think that one is just written amazingly Oof. and it's it's just one of the scariest mm -hmm. books ever and i don't know it's very demented very sí. very very i don't know it puts you in a crazy headspace when you read it and uh yeah i don't know i love that book that was something that i read when i was younger and it just instant instantly made me fall in love with him that's why he's the king you know yeah <laughs> Muy bien, muy bien, muy bien. Vamos a ir con tres preguntas rapiditas personales. Una es, eh, cuando sales de, de tour, ¿hay algún tipo de comida que a ti te guste muchísimo, que tú digas, yo tengo que pasar a este lugar a comer? Es, es una cuestión así, nada más curiosidad de cosas personales. So just these three questions uh, to close are just personal, more personal questions about you, Igor. Um, yeah. In all of your touring and all of the places that you've been to, what kind of food do you find? Or first off, what do you eat while you're on tour like as far as like do you have like a whole nutritional diet plan that you have when you're out there and is there a particular food that when you start setting up like a tour where you're like oh my god i can, i hope we go here so i can eat blank 
Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I'm a, I, I'm very into, I'm very into cooking and I'm very into recipes and, and learning how to make stuff and things like that. Um, so I, I'm open-minded. I, I honestly, my whole plan when I tour is to eat regional, you know? So what, whatever is the popular dish in that area, that's probably what I'm going to try and find. Okay. Nice. Um, you know, if I'm in Louisiana, I'm going to go get gumbo and, and crawfish and, and stuff like that. You know, if I'm in here in Arizona, I'm going to go get Mexican food. You know wow. what I mean? I'm going to go, it's a regional thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you know, I, I like to be open-minded with what I eat. Uh, you know, I don't have too many dietary restrictions. Um, you know, I, I, I can kind of get away with eating a lot of stuff. Spicy food, I definitely like. Nice. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I have favorites everywhere. It would it would be hard to pinpoint. Um, and yeah, I'd love to try any type of Costa Rican dish. I'm sure you guys have a lot of awesome, <laughs> awesome stuff for sure. Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of what I do. Like whatever the okay. people in the area eat, I, I want to try that. You know. Okay. 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 Cool. Eh, eso es también una pregunta personal bueno ya la gente yo le mostré que yo estuve escuchando lo último que escuché fue go ahead and die qué ha sido lo último que has escuchado en tu Spotify hoy hoy en la mañana cuando te despertaste qué escuchaste no importa el género qué escuchaste so Igor what was the last thing that you heard musically doesn't matter what genre doesn't matter what it was what was the last music that you just heard the, I mean let's see I'll pull up my I'll pull up my Spotify <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was listening to Acid Witch. Acid Witch. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. It's 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 spooky heavy metal for Halloween time. Nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Voy a escucharlo hoy porque no lo he escuchado. Vamos a vamos a seguirlo. We're gonna give it a listen for sure. <laughs> eh, uh, eh, quería hacer otra pregunta. Eh, creo que tengo memoria de que sí, pero has venido a Costa Rica de vacaciones. So o con tu papá de trabajo. You, that you may have been in Costa Rica, but ha have you ever been to Costa Rica before for even vacation? Uh, I, I think I went there once. Yeah, sí, I, went yo creo que una a, vez. Casi que I went sí. on a South American tour with Cavalier and yeah, we, we hit there, we hit Brazil, Argentina, Chile, all these, all these places. Sí, sí. Uh, yeah. Sí. So I, I have been there before and I'd love to go again. Beautiful country for sure. Sí, great awesome. great awesome. weather. <risa> ah, sí, aquí el clima es increíble, la verdad. Y bueno, con eso nos despedimos. Gracias, Igor, por acompañarnos. No me quedan más palabras que desearte muchísimos éxitos. Se ve que sos un tipazo espectacular. Por favor, un fuerte abrazo a tu mamá que ha hecho un trabajo increíble y por supuesto a tu papá que ha sido la inspiración para muchísimos eh, que somos tan amantes de la música. Solo queremos desearte lo mejor y que sepas que aquí en Costa Rica hay un par de locos que estamos a apoyar un montón y todo lo que necesites aquí vamos a estar siempre, ¿ok? Igor, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. We are so grateful and humbled by And you're awesome, man. You're just a le legitimately awesome human being. And we're very, very happy to have had this time with you. Um, we want to send hugs to your mom and to your dad, who have been inspirational on so many levels to metalheads everywhere across the globe. Please know that we here at Ladosis are here for all support of Igor Amadeus for everything you got going on, brother. And uh, thank you so much. We hope that we can play a role of bringing you down to Costa Rica sometime soon. Oh, definitely. That would be amazing. And thank you guys so much for talking to It was a pleasure. I had a lot of fun for sure. <laughs> awesome, hey, so, bro. Thank you yeah. so much. Buena vida. Nos vemos. Yep. Have a good one.